I don't know why I'm going to say this, but I just got to say it or I won't. Or I can't go on. Uh, someone uh, posted on Facebook one time. I had put a picture. Uh, uh, I was me preaching, and someone posted, "Oh, Ronnie, you look like everybody's favorite old professor." <laughs> I went, "Oh, okay." Uh, so I, you know, I, I, I'm thinking about getting the platform back so that I'm behind it, and you know, you can't see everything. Anyway, if you're out of high school and you're under 30, then you're invited to our house this Friday night. And Margaret is thrilled about that. Uh, yeah, you're invited to our house this Friday night to, uh, to eat, eat food and have fun and, and throw in Jesus. This is going to make me crazy. Can, I, I, uh, can you, Maria, can you push that just a little bit? I'll tell you when to stop. Yeah, uh, yeah. pull it. Yeah, there we go. push it a little bit more. Oh, I'm going to help you. Okay, here we go. We're going to push. There it is. Whoa, whoa. Good. Okay. I'm going to preach eventually here. Uh, we're starting a new series today. And uh, we're gonna, for, the, for the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about the body of Christ. And that was the body of Christ in action right there. Yeah. Uh, and would you stand with me? And let's... Read from 1 Corinthians. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Father, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for the Holy Spirit, and I pray that you would come and that you would fill us. Lord, not just this room, fill, fill us, fill our hearts so that we can hear what you're saying to us and make a difference in our lives, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, I want to spend some time today talking about baptism. Um, when we first hear that word baptism, our minds immediately go to a particular Christian rite, but the word's actually a much larger word. The, word. the word covers more things than just what takes place over there in that, in that pool. Um, it doesn't even have to have a religious connotation. It can have uh, a secular connotation as well. Literally, what baptism means is a person's initiation into a particular activity or role, typically one perceived as difficult. Now, when we're thinking of uh, water baptism, Christian baptism, uh, the initiation is into the role of a disciple, someone who has decided to follow Christ. And that can be perceived as difficult. Uh, G.K. Chesterton said that Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. Christianity has been found hard and left untried. Uh, and that really is oftentimes the way it is, although we've tried to make it so easy that, uh, that people kind of try it sometimes, and we're okay with that. Uh, but baptism, even in, uh, even in the Scripture, there are a number of baptisms that are talked about. Uh, the baptism into Moses in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says that, that the children of Israel... Uh, were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And it didn't mean that they uh, began to worship Moses, but it meant 
what it meant was that those who, who went through, passed through the Red Sea, those who were led by the cloud uh, and by the, by the pillar of fire, they, uh, that was a, a baptism into the law of Moses, into, into what Moses brought, the revelation from God that Moses brought. Uh, it didn't, they don't specifically use the word for this, but I think probably you could also say that the, the, the covenant of circumcision would be a baptism into Abraham and the promises that were made to Abraham, that were, that were, that were given to Abraham. Uh, Jesus speaks of his suffering as a baptism. The mother of James and John came to him and said, Lord, I, I want you to do something for me. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do? She said, I would like for you to grant that when you come in your kingdom, that my sons will be able to sit on your right and your left hand. And Jesus goes, whoa, that's a hard thing that you've asked. And the truth of the matter is, it's not really mine to grant. But before that, he said to them, he said, can you drink the cup that I drink from? Can, can you be baptized with the baptism that I'm to be baptized with? Uh, and he wasn't speaking of John's baptism, John the Baptist, because James and John and Jesus had all, already had that baptism. He was speaking, speaking about what he was getting ready to go through. Uh, and he called, he called that a baptism. Uh, but then there's water baptism. And John the Baptist was not the first to baptize in water, but he came baptizing with water. And Jesus himself was um, subjected to this particular rite. And it was, it was important. It was a very important thing, but it was not the ultimate fulfillment of salvation. John's baptism was a baptism that symbolized being cleansed from sin, being washed from sin. That's not what this baptism is. That's not what Christian baptism is. It's not symbolizing being washed from sin. It's symbolizing joining Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. That's what that is. And that's, a, that, that's basically Jesus saying, are you able to baptize, be baptized with the baptism that I'm going to go through? And so we'll go to the believer's baptism, and I want to talk about that for a few minutes <laughs> and this is, uh, this is the baptism most people think about in our culture, and it is also the one that is the most debated. It's the one that's got the most opinions and questions and, and, and things about it. Uh, probably the first debate that comes up is, is it okay to, to, to sprinkle or to pour, or do you have to be uh, fully submersed? Uh, you know, what, which, which one is right? Uh, and then there's also the debate about... Uh, well, what's your baptismal formula? Uh, now, I, I've, it's been a long time since I've had anybody come and ask me this because I don't think people read their Bibles as much as they used to. But uh, used to back in, in, in the day, I've had several people come to me and go, whenever you baptize people, what do you say? And, you know, what I want to say is uh, you're baptized. But I know that's not what they're asking. What they're asking is, do you say... Do you baptize in Jesus' name, or do you baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost? And I'm, and I'm thinking, I don't know the right answer to this, and I don't know what you want me to say, but I know that you want me to say something because you have an opinion, and you would like for me to share your opinion. And so for years, I would baptize people in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name and bring them up out of the water. Yeah. 
Some people believe in baptismal regeneration. Unless you've been dunked in the water, you're not going to heaven. And I, I don't see that theologically, but, I, but there are a lot of people who, who actually, actually feel that way. And the debates don't start there, uh, don't stop there. Uh, does it have to be a particular church that you're baptized in? Uh, the Roman Catholic Church would say yes, because they believe that salvation comes through the church. So that kind of makes sense. Uh, there are some Protestant churches that would say it's got to be our church, not because they believe baptism comes just through the church, but because they believe they're the only church, which that's another matter altogether. Um, how about infant baptism? <laughs> how about infant baptism? I, uh, we, we, um, the historic denominations usually practice infant baptism. Uh, the Roman Catholics do, the Anglicans. I'm not sure about um, uh, some of the um, Orthodox. Maybe somebody can enlighten me on that. Um, and even some of the mainline churches do. And Father Ray Cash, who's uh, the rector over at St. Patrick's here in town, one of my one of my best friends, and I, ah, went backwards. Okay. Oh, okay. Isn't that a cool picture? Um, Father Ray Cash, uh, they practice infant baptism, and every few years, I'll go uh, explain to me again. Uh, about infant baptism, about why y'all do that. And he explains it to me, and, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, that, I mean, for several hours, it, I feel like that makes sense. And then by the next day, it's leaked out, and I'm kind of going, what did he say again? Uh, but that's not his fault, that's my fault, and we don't actually baptize infants. I'll, I'll talk about that here in just a in just in just a couple of minutes, but uh, but they do. Should baptism follow a period of of learning? Uh, should you have to go through particular classes and learn to answer particular questions before you can be baptized, or should you be baptized as soon as you as soon as you get saved? That's that's one of the controversies that that abounds within the church. We baptize people as soon as they can answer the the questions. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Yes. Do you believe that He died on the cross for your sins? Yes. Do you believe that God raised Him from the dead? Yes. Do you want Him to be the Lord of your life? Yes. Let's do it. Because that's really what I see in, in, in the Scripture. I, I mean, seriously, if you look in the book of Acts, when Paul and Silas were in uh, the Philippian jail, and they started singing songs and having a worship service at midnight, and an earthquake came, and the, and the chains were broken off of them, and the, and the, the cell doors were open, and the, uh, and the jailer comes in, and he's going to kill himself because he thinks everybody's escaped, and it'd be better for him to do it than to let the Romans do it. And Paul goes, no, wait, we're all still here. And a guy goes, well, what do I need to do to get what you got? What do I need to do to get saved? And he says, well, repent and, and, and be baptized, you and your whole household. So he goes and wakes everybody up. They got baptized that night. There's not, there wasn't a lot of time to, to teach before the baptism thing happened there. And when, when Philip uh, met the Ethiopian eunuch and was walking on beside him and and the guy was reading from Isaiah, and Philip says, you understand what you're, what you're reading? He says, how can I understand unless somebody explains it to me? And, and he was reading from Isaiah 53, and he said, who's he talking about? Is he talking about himself, or is he talking about somebody else? And Philip goes, oh, he's talking about somebody else. 
Let me tell you who he's talking about. And so Philip explains to him about Jesus, and the guy goes, well, yeah, I would like to accept him, and here's some water. Why don't I get baptized? And so they baptized him. So that's that's how we do it. Let me let me explain what we believe here at, at Springhouse. We don't actually um, we don't actually have a specific statement about water baptism, and there's a couple of reasons for that. One, there's so many questions uh, that that people raise and that, that come up about it uh, that it would really it'd really be a position paper more than a statement than, you, than you'd necessarily, that would, be, would necessarily be needed. And I've, oft, I've also kind of found that sometimes when you put things down and make a statement, you're just kind of starting an argument. But, but here's, here's really, here's the essence of what we believe, and it's this. We believe that the power contained in rights is derived from the reality in the heart. Um, during the service, one of the sisters uh, back here, and uh, I, I, I believe it was, it was Gabby, uh, got up and was speaking a word during worship. I don't, I don't think the team up here heard her because it wasn't particularly loud. Uh, and what she was saying was basically this. And at the time that she said it, because what she was saying is, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for pretending. Forgive us for pretending that we're, that we're doing something and that we're fully invested in something or that, or that, that we believe, and yet it's not, it's not what we do. It's not what we live. Because that is really what it's about. See, one of the rights of the church is marriage, and I think that would be the easiest way to see it, the easiest way to explain it. Because you can have a, a, a wedding, a, a church wedding in a beautiful church and, and hundreds of candles lit and dignified, powerful words be spoken and you can say those solemn vows, but if it's not coming from here, the marriage is going to not work very well. Or you can be standing in your living room, and it can just be very simply, I'm going to be faithful to this woman. I'm going to lay down my life for her. I'm going to be faithful to this man. I will follow him. And if it's from here, there's power. There's power in that right. And in that blessing that goes with it, the, the, the table, if this is just something, you know, if this is just a, a, a crumb of cracker and a, and a little cup of juice to, you know, to get to the next part of the service, then there's no power there. There's no power there. But if you become aware in your heart of the presence of God, then you find grace in a very special way. You find healing in a very special way when you come to the table of the Lord. And the same thing with water baptism. Yeah, if, if, you, if, you, if, you go, if you go down in the water and you come back up and you said yes to all the questions, and boy, wasn't that fun, but you just, it was just a thing to do, then all you did was get wet. But if it's, if it's from the heart, if there's, if there's something genuine there, 
then these other things, a lot of these questions, I, I don't like to mess with them because I don't, I don't see the importance of them. Just to be honest, there's two things that we believe baptism signify. One is it's a testimony. It's a testimony. It says to the world, Jesus Christ is now my Lord, and I am going to follow him. I am now on the road of discipleship belonging to Jesus Christ. It's, it's a statement that is made. In most of the world, they don't really care what else you do. I mean, you can, you can preach. You can testify. You can go to church every, every day. But until you go in the water, they don't think of you as a Christian. Because that's the public testimony, the historic public testimony that is given. And then not only is it a public testimony, but it is, it is an act of obedience. Jesus commanded us to be baptized. It's not quite, he commanded us to go and, go and baptize. And so therefore, it has been the practice of the church from the very beginning. If you're going to be a believer, you get baptized. Because that's what Jesus said to do. You know, life becomes very simple when you just boil it down to, what did Jesus say to do? What, what did he tell me to do? That's, that's, where it get, that's where all the complication begins to go away. And we begin to realize, oh, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, well, uh, the doctrine of predestination. You know, some people believe we're all everyone who's going to heaven is predestined to go to heaven, and they got a bunch of scriptures to back that up. Yeah, and you could look at that and you could kind of go, Well, if that's the case, you know, why should I share the gospel with anybody? I mean, everybody who's gonna go is gonna go, and that's the way it is. Because Jesus said, share the gospel with everybody. Doesn't have anything to do with what I'm how I have figured this out. It's got to do with what he told me to do. When I was a teenager and I was uh, getting ready to kind of, well, <laughs> I was getting ready to fly the coop is what I was getting ready to do and, 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 and walk away from the Lord and everything. One of the things that really bothered me was, man, there have been millions, billions of people who lived and died and never heard the name of Jesus Christ. And you mean to tell me they're all going to hell? And I just can't, I just can't deal with that. But when I came back to the Lord, one of the, one of the things that I had to reconcile was, was the fact that I trust God. I trust God. He will do what is right. I don't have the answers to everything. All I know is he's going to do what is right. And if he says do this, then that's what I'm going to do. And one of the things that he said to do was to be baptized. So I don't get it. I, I don't understand how, how anybody to refuse to be baptized or, or to treat it as an option as something that, well, I can do it, I might not have, you know, whether, depends on how I'm feeling this way. Yeah, that, that totally negates the reason to be baptized, which is Jesus said, do it, he is now my Lord, and so I'm going to do what he said to do. And I'm going to tell the whole world, he's my Lord now. That's what's going on. And, be, and because of this, uh, we... We see, because we see this as an act of obedience and as a public testimony, we, uh, we allow people to be rebaptized. Uh, not because they need it to be saved, uh, but sometimes they need it to be obedient. I was baptized when I was six. And when I came back to the Lord when I was 25, I, I got baptized again. Now, 
here's, here's the thing. When uh, I didn't have to be baptized again to be saved. When I got baptized when I was six, I made a commitment to the Lord. And I didn't do a real good job of keeping that commitment. I've sinned since I was six. In fact, I don't think I made it to seven, and I probably didn't make it to six plus one week of whatever, you know, from when I got baptized. Uh, But not only did I make a, a commitment to God when I got baptized, he made a commitment to me. And he's never wavered. He has never wavered from that commitment. But sometimes because of what we go through in life, or we come to a situation in life where we just really feel like ah, you know, this is something I need to do. This is something that God is telling me to do. And when people come and say that, I go, Jesus said for you to do it, let's do it. Because I, I think that's how you're supposed to live your life. And while we almost always practice uh, total immersion, uh, it's not about the method. It's about the heart. It's only been one, uh, one baptismal service that we've had here that I can remember uh, where we didn't do immersion. And those of you who were here when we did it will never forget it uh, because uh, there was a man named John Gray. Uh, his, his daughter had been coming to the church for a while, and John was in his 80s, and John couldn't get around very well, but he wanted to be baptized. Man, if you get a chance to baptize somebody in their 80s, you just need to do it. That's, that's all there is to it. you got to figure out a way to make that happen. Uh, and so we decided that we would do, we would do pouring that day. So we, we, got, we got a little table, and we got a, got a basin of water, and uh, I got a, a, a cup. <laughs> and, and, and John came up, and he, you know, and, he, and he bowed over that basin of water, and I remember pouring that water on his head, and I mean, it was just... <laughs> you know, electricity in the room at that point. It's not about the method. It's about this. It's about what's in the heart. God, forgive us for pretending. Forgive us. And we don't baptize our infants. However, we do believe that infants exist in a state of grace. Well, why do you believe that? Well, I just, I can't imagine God doing it any other way. You know, I, I don't have scripture and verse to do that, but you know, I know God. I know what kind of person that, that he is. And that may you that may sound ridiculous, but it's true. We do uh dedicate our children, and I think that that's something to do it. And come to think of it, I think that's kind of what Father Ray calls, but anyway. Uh, con- considers their baptismal right, uh, plus a little more. And we're going to be dedicating children next week. So if you've got uh, a, a child, an infant, a small child, and you'd like to have them dedicated next week, let us know because we, we would like to, we'd like to line that up for you. Okay, uh, baptism. Got two more to cover. Believer's baptism, and then something called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Whenever they came and asked John why he was baptizing with water, he said, look, I baptize with water, but there's one coming after me. He's more powerful than me. I'm not even worthy to, to, to undo his, his sandals. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. 
Now, what was he talking about? Was he talking about believer's baptism? I don't really think so. I think he was talking about the day of Pentecost because that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, the, uh, the believers were all together. This was 50 days after Jesus uh, died on the cross. The believers were all together, and 120 of them in the upper room, and the Holy Ghost uh, descended from heaven with the sound of a rushing wind, and, and fire appeared over the heads of each one of them, and they began to speak in tongues, and all kinds of stuff just started happening. And a great crowd of people gathered. 3,000 people got saved that day. And, they, and they, the people gathered because they were going, what is going on? What is this? And Peter got up and explained to them what it was. He said, this is what Joel the prophet was talking about, you're seeing the fulfillment of it right now. In the last days, God says, I will pour up my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. I, I had one last night. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Now we believe that this is still available for all believers. And there, there are a number of reasons why we believe this. One of them is because it says this is what will happen in the last days. And if the last days are over, what are these? What is this? It's sure in heaven. So in the last days, God will pour out His Spirit on all flesh. That's the fulfillment of the prayer that Moses prayed where he said, I wish that all of God's people would prophesy. I wish that the Spirit would be poured out on all of God's people. And that's in fact what happened. And, and, it's, and it's what still happens. Now, I'm not saying that if you, uh, not saying that you've got to experience this in order to be saved. Everyone who is, everyone who has, everyone who is saved, everyone who has accepted Jesus has a measure of the Spirit. Okay. But there's a measure and then there's a measure. Fullness is different from a measure. Does everybody understand that? Yeah. And, and in order to receive the fullness of the Spirit, well, Barbie understood it. In order to receive the fullness of the Spirit, we have to ask. This is, this is available to everyone who believes and everyone who asks, everyone who, everyone who says, Lord, I, I, want, I want everything you've got for me. I, I want the fullness of your Spirit. I don't want to just have a... I don't want to just have a going to heaven card. That, uh, apparently there was a guy that got arrested up in Pennsylvania last week. And did you hear about that? Gave the police a, a monopoly get out of jail free card. <laughs> it didn't work. But I, you know, I, I don't want to just, I don't want to just have my get out of hell free card. You know, I want some, I want everything you've got, God. I want to go forward in you. I want to go deeper in you. And the fullness of the Holy Spirit is, is, is what that's for. Now, I grew up um, being taught that in order to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you had to speak in tongues, which scares the wahoo out of most people. And it, you know, but it's all, you know, it scared me too, but it's also kind of fun. Well, you know, we, we'd have these services and, and we'd just spend, you know, the service would be, that's all, every, anybody who's not baptized in the Holy Ghost, you come down here right now. And so we'd come down there and, you know, we'd just, we, we, we were going to tarry uh, until, and it took me several tarries to, uh, until Cain 
Uh, but, you know, you'd have one on one side going, Lord, Lord, empty him. Lord, empty him out. You know, and you have another one on one side going, Lord, fill him up. Fill him up. You know, and you'd be in the middle kind of going, ah. <laughs> but, it's, but, it's, but it was a good thing. It was, it was a great thing because in order to receive, in, in order to be filled, you got to have a vessel that isn't already filled. And we're pretty much already filled. And what we're filled with isn't necessarily the Holy Ghost. And so actually it, it was a matter of yielding to him. And the last thing that we tend to yield is this right here, the tongue. And so, you know, I, I can see some, some validity behind the idea of, okay, speak in tongues, you know that the Holy Ghost has come, except for the fact that you can shondilly eye and the Holy Ghost isn't there. And there's a lot, you know, one of the, I think where I've kind of come to in my walk with the Lord is, you know, I, I don't look for an outward manifestation that necessarily goes, I got the Holy Ghost. I just look for a life that reflects the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. You know, speaking in tongues is a great thing. It's, 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 it's a wonderful thing, and it's available to you. But when the, when the fullness of the Holy Spirit comes into your life, all of the gifts that he, that, he, that he brings comes. You know, you now realize the Holy Ghost can give me a supernatural word of knowledge if I need it. He can give me a supernatural word of wisdom if I need it. He can give me a healing. He can give me a miracle. He can... Uh, Everything is now open because the fullness of the Holy Spirit has come. I, I can prophesy. I can, I can say the word of the Lord. And by the way, just let me say, you know, I will pour out my... Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. You know, for those who have a problem and say, well, Paul said women shouldn't preach in the church or shouldn't speak in the church. You know, I, I, I would take issue with whether or not Paul actually said that for everybody, but you got to deal with that. I mean, you got, it says men and women will be prophesying and you prophesying requires speaking, requires actually saying something. And, and that's, that's what Gabby was doing today. She was bringing the word of the Lord and what she was saying, though she had no idea was really the essence of what I wanted to say today, which is Oh, I forgot what time I was supposed to end. Ooh. Uh, which is, it's, it, it's the heart. Forgive us for pretending. For, forgive us for faking. And let me just say one other thing. I'm not creating two categories of believers because sometimes people accuse people of, of that when they talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Anybody who feels like they're superior to some other believers because I have the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, is full of something, but it's not the Holy Ghost. Because when the Holy Ghost comes, He brings grace and He brings humility and, and He brings a, a, a powerful gentleness and freedom that you're able to walk in. Uh, one last baptism here, and, and yeah, I did get... Um, and that's this. It, it's the most important baptism, but it's the one that's almost never talked about. And it is, for we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body. It's great to be filled, it's great to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, 
but that rests upon, that's predicated upon you having been baptized by the Holy Spirit. Whenever we come to Christ, the Holy Spirit does a, a mystical, invisible, powerful transformation in our lives and places us into the body of Christ, the universal body of Christ. And what that, what that, what that means, over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking uh, uh, about this. Over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about uh, the fact that you're needed in the body. And I'm sure that there are some people sitting here going, oh, they don't need me. Yes, yes, we do. And the fact that you need the body, you need the rest of the body. Sure, and I know that there are people here who who kind of go, I don't really need it. Yes, you do. You you absolutely do, and we're and we're going to talk about how you can connect with the body. See, the large weekly meeting. I mean, it's 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 great because you can come together and we can get teaching, be inspired. Uh, It's inspirational. You know, when the only reason to go to the ballpark rather than watch it on television is because you get to sit around people who are also doing the same thing you're doing and rooting for the home team, and you're going, wow, this feels good. It's, that's what being around people who, who believe in Jesus, you need that because that's not, what, that's not your natural environment, basically, at, at school or at work. And so you, you need to have that. You need to be able to, to worship God in, in a group. You need to be able to worship in a setting where you can worship as loud as you want to and, and nobody knows can hear you. Because maybe you can't sing, but God made you, and He loves that sound that comes out of your voice. <laughs> Praising God. Yeah. And, and being in a setting where, you know, you've got uh, uh, scores or hundreds of other people doing that, uh, or at least you've got the sound turned up loud enough, then you can. You can do it. You can you can go with it without having having to worry about it. You know, you get in a, uh, in, in a small group and, and and try and sing, and that's terrifying. And and it may be more terrifying for the people around you than 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 for you yourself. But uh, but you get in the, so I mean, there's there's a lot to be said for coming together in, in in the large in the large group. But the large weekly meeting cannot provide personal connection. Cannot provide. Um, personal attention, can't really provide the opportunity to grow in the gifts that you've got. And so, uh, yeah, I, I keep forgetting about the slides. So there is a place for you. And beginning in August, we're going to start, we're going to start small groups. We're going to, we're going to make it so that there's nobody, nobody has an excuse in this church for going, I don't know how to get plugged in. I don't know how to get connected. I, I don't know how to meet other people. Uh, why does nobody notice when I'm not here? Hello. Because you don't know anybody here. Well, we, we want to change that. So that people, people will notice and you will have an opportunity to, to, to grow in gifts. This is, this is one of the baptisms. You're part of a body. That's a, that's a wonderful thing. Yeah. So uh, over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the nuts and bolts and that. Uh, what I want you to leave with this week is the understanding that you belong to something that is alive, not just something that is a, an organization based on a piece of paper filed in some state office somewhere. You belong to something 
that is alive, and you are an integral part of, of, of that thing. You are called to live in community. And we're going to give you the opportunity to connect. Would you stand with me? Uh, with those who are going to pray for people, come forward this morning. And if you're here and you need uh, prayer, you come forward. Uh, because God is gracious and God will hear. The scripture says, wherever two or three are gathered together in his name, there am I in the midst of them. And I think basically all of our elders had somewhere to go on July the 4th weekend. Rob, would you come? Yeah, Margaret, you need to come as well. Yeah. Kirk, come on, buddy. Yeah. If you're here and you need prayer, the altars are open. These brothers and sisters will pray with you. God will do stuff for you. And if not, you're a part of this. You're still a part of this. And we need you to worship with us so that the Holy Spirit can have His way.